Do you prefer David or David? You don't care either way. Okay. Doesn't matter. Perfect. No, no, no I, I, have, I haven't really, I've never really thought of that as something that I have to decide. First off, do you want me to read your bio to you that I put together before you're good with it? Okay. And then yeah. secondly, do you have any questions? Secondly, <laughs> why isn't that used more? Right? Secondly, that should really be used more. I agree with Have you, you said that before? No, I just, I th- I've heard it and it's something that I really enjoy and you pay attention. So Secondly, figured, yeah. <laughs> that's really, that should really be used. Don't you think? I, yes, I think it's fun. It makes me think, is that a real word? And then I think <laughs> anything's a real word. That's a fact. If you say it, it's a real word. Just became a word. That's a fact. Should we get started before we get started? Okay. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and am uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. Welcome our guest, actor, improviser, and coach David Rozowski, who I might I will dip in calling Dave or David, so get over to everybody. Hailing from Chicago before coming out to LA, Dave was a main stage actor at the world-renowned Second City Chicago and performed with some of the biggest names you know in TV and film today. You might have also seen his beautiful face on The Young and the Restless, David Letterman, or even Roseanne. Dave Rozowski also held the position of being artistic director of the Second City Hollywood for a decade. He has a prolific acting career and is now devoted to helping you do the same and has taught improv literally all over the globe. Rosowski's style is unique in that he doesn't use games. He meets you where you are. He also is the host of the wildly successful podcast ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski that started all the way back in 2012, well before any of us jumped on the podcast train, y'all. So he is good at this. And his podcast is described as, quote, an episode of fresh air, but with more cursing. I better know David from him coaching my team and me at random locations throughout LA, some sketchier than others. God bless him for saying yes to that and allowing us to learn that now is literally it sounds like an easy enough concept but you'd be shocked how many of us actors and humans are not exactly on board with that idea that said dave tell us what made you choose acting did you love study studying photojournalism how much fun was performing with steve carell tell us all the things that was so fast (laughs) that was so fast (laughs) like you said you said my life is so fast i was like did, did I fall out of an airplane? And this is the la- this is my entire life. This is your life. Like, oh my god! Um, uh, thank you so much. That was just that was a really good bio. Oh, that was really really good. I'm mm-hmm. so glad I didn't listen to it earlier. It's like, oh oh, he's an interesting person. He's done a lot. Yeah, he's <laughs> I might listen to this guy. Um, oh my god. Uh, so I want to. Uh, so let's just start out with with with, with your first question. Uh, when uh, I was a kid. We moved around a, a tremendous amount, uh, and uh, we landed in one place in Chicago, a restaurant, West Rogers Park, a bungalow. And I think we we're going. My mom said we we're going to live here for a while, and she signed me up for classes. And uh, this is in 1968, and she signed me up for classes. I was 10, uh, and she signed me up for classes. And she said, uh, "I signed you up for classes in drama because there's nothing called improv then." And I was like, "Drama." Uh, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It, it, because we moved around so much, it was, it was like you were immersed in a group of people that trusted you. And the director at that time, the teacher 
uh, of, of that class. Her name is Esther Wykel. She just treated you like an adult. And she taught me how to connect, how to how to listen, how to play games. And it was also very scary because uh, soon after that, she cast me in a show with a bunch of adults. And I was just, I was in a panic. Um, and I remember I had one line. It was uh, 13 Clocks. It was about, I think, James Thurber or something like that. And I was backstage. And I remember being really, like, I had one line. And the line was something like, Look at the birds. There are birds. And that was my line. And uh, I remember being backstage by myself. <laughs> you know, you're backstage. I'm 10. And I'm backstage by myself. And there's adults. And there's no kids around. And I remember one of the stagehands, Davida Hodges was her name. I remember because her, her daughter went to grammar school with me, Tracy Hodges. And uh, she came up to me and she grabbed me. And she grabbed 10-year-old Dave and pulled, her, pulled me to her breast. And she went, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> They're going to love you. They're going to love you. They're going to love you. And at that moment, I knew two things. One, I like women. And two, it was like, if this is what this is like, I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, that was 52 years ago. Wow. So I've been, I, I, last year I realized, <laughs> last year I realized, oh, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> Just last year, you realized that, that this is what you're going to do. Just last year. Just last year, because you go, what am I going to do when I grow up? It's like, oh, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. This is what I'm going to do when I grow up. Because how often do you get to say, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up? So that's what I did. And I haven't, I stopped for four years when I was in college. I was the, I was a photographer on the, on a daily paper, my school's daily paper, which is a big paper. And uh, then I became the photo, uh, the, uh, the photo editor of that paper. And when I graduated, it was about 82, 83 I decided, uh, yeah, I'm going to do, uh, it's called chasing ambulances. And uh, what you do is you, uh, if, you, if you're lucky, you have a scanner. If you don't, you roll your window open and listen for sirens and then you chase them. And I've chased them and I got stuff published in the Chicago Tribune and Chicago Sun-Times and Associated Press and UPI. Thank I you. loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. How did you? Uh, I loved it. Would you have, did you actually have a scanner or were you, No, you I did didn't not. have a scanner. Okay. No, no, I would, I would just get my, my, uh, my, uh, VW Fox or whatever it was, Audi Fox. And I would roll the windows down and I would just, I lived in Chicago and there was always something happening. And my neighborhood, there was always something happening. And I once chased, and it was during the day and it was a Saturday or Sunday. And this isn't a happy story. I chased uh, an ambulance to the Lincoln Park Lagoon where some guy was drowning. Oh, God. Drowned. He drowned. He actually drowned. I caught it as the paramedic, as the, as they were taking his body out and his Wife was crying. There was, oh. there was a woman with him crying, and uh, which is horrible. But I took the film over to the Tribune <laughs> building. And I was like, got a scoop, and they went <laughs> okay. And then it was in the paper the next day. And I'm so sorry. I woke up much different than the family of that drowning victim woke up. You know, we were both on different. You know, so uh, that was really that was that. And then uh, so I did that for a while, and I did that like uh, I did that for maybe a couple of years. And then I realized Chicago theater was. Booming at that time. Am I talking too much? No, please do you go. Get in with no, I do not. Right. You could go. Uh, it was. It was like Chicago theater in the eighties was booming. It was just booming, and and I was like, I miss theater. And so um, I auditioned for some shows. I got into some. I got into a play. I got into another play. I got into another play. And the theater, what the theater scene was awesome. Then I auditioned for a theater company called Geese Company, Geese Theater Company for Prisons. And I toured around doing mask work, non-improvisation, non-comedic improv in uh, in prisons across the United States. So I did that for a year. Uh, my first gig was in Joliet, 
I want to go back yes. for just a second. So when you say non-mask and non-comedic. No, non-comedic. Non-comedic. So non-comedic improv work, was that to get prisoners, was it like therapy or was it just meant to let them? It was It was education rehabilitational. The, the, the show itself was built around, uh, a, it was sort of a game and it was called Plague Game. And it was about uh, so with the the form, if you will, for those of you who know improv structure, you if you're doing a long form, the form was, and this is this is bef- this is right before the Herald came. This is right before the Herald. This is like new stuff, 1983, 84, and nobody saw it but prisoners. So um, it was the structure was this. Uh, the first the first scene out was. Um, say a husband or wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, and they're arguing and he runs out and he meets his buddy over the liquor store, for example. And this is all improvised. And again, it's all done in mask. Uh, goes over to the liquor store and his buddy, you know, so it's like, let's go over to the, you know, I don't have any money. And, and drags his, drags our hero into the liquor store and holds up the liquor store and the, the liquor store owner like puts up a fight and his friend shoots the liquor store guy. And this guy, innocent except for who he's hanging out with now goes into now goes into the prison system and it's about him being in the prison system his wife dealing with not him not being around them dealing with visits him dealing with what's it like in the joint her dealing with how she's going to make money um and the kids and all that stuff and um it was I'm, I'm uh i'm about 85 percent done with a book that i'm writing about it and i've just been obsessed over the the mem the memory not obsessed over what how much i learned like today i've been writing this thing for four years and today i was like geese company changed my life in ways that i don't i didn't even realize it taught me how to it taught me how how you know, there's this 25 year old Jewish kid, you know, in literally in Rikers Island. And what the fuck do I have to say to anybody there? And yet they were present because I was I was portraying their lives and their situations on stage. And they'd never seen a fucking play before. Wow. A lot of them. How did you get involved so, with that? Uh, I was <laughs> I was auditioning for a show in Chicago. And um, I remember this. I remember this clearly. Uh, and again, this is a time where it was like the Wild West in Chicago. Theater, theater was crazy, you know. Like, like Steppenwolf Theater was was. I don't even know. Do you know? You know Steppenwolf. Yeah, I love right? Steppenwolf. Yes, yeah. yes. Me too. Me too. So Steppenwolf had just like essentially just moved from the church in Highland Park, and they were like all the things that were going on. So it was really cool and Remains Theater and all this stuff. So I was auditioning for somebody like a big theater, a big theater group in Chicago, and I was like. I'm not going to do a regular monologue. So I like what the fuck was I think? So I did um <laughs> I did a poem by Lawrence Ferlinghetti from Coney Island of the Mind. And uh, I memorized the poem and the director, I remember him being in the house and him going, "Uh why did you do that?" <laughs> and I went, "I thought it would be different. That's why I did that." And he went, "Yeah." Don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I went, okay. And then uh, I was like, guess I didn't get that. But that director hooked me up with John Bergman, who was running Geese Company. Cause, and then uh, that connected all that. So then like the, a couple of days later, I got a call from uh, John Bergman, who I don't know who he was. Uh, and they were out of university. They were out of Iowa State University. I'm sorry, University of Iowa. And they were casting in Chicago. And... I got cast. I got cast, and uh, 
I was working at a I was working at a camera store at that time in uh, Six Corners neighborhood in Chicago, working at a camera store, which is sort of like a writer working in a pencil store. Yeah. Um, you know, photographer working in a camera store. Tough. So I had to quit that job. I love that job. I love that job so much because it was just two of us in that job. I love that job. So it was just John Stranick and I. Did you were you able to get the photos that I sent? Yes, you? they were fantastic. Yes. Okay, let me just say like. Those those were the people that came to the camera store. Oh, amazing. Right? Salt of the Earth, 1983. You know, it was a Polish and Latino and German and like all these people living there. I love that job. And they would just come in and shoot the shit. I'd smoke cigarettes and get donuts and coffee. And it was like, I love that job. So I quit that job. And a week later, um, I'm living in a 1963 International Harvester school bus going, traveling across the world, the country. Holy shit. Um, doing improv for... For prisoners. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't. Did you ever feel unsafe in that situation? No, never. No, I never felt. I, I never felt unsafe because we were taken care of, and I never felt unsafe because they really taught us how to. The the, the theater company taught us what we had to do: stick with each other, don't look at anybody. Every you know, there were there were two women. It was basically six people in the cast: two women and uh, and four men. And we all wore loose clothes, and we were protected by the um, the, the correctional officers there. And, and 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 you know, do you know who Richard Speck is? I do not. Serial killer, murder of seven uh, seven nurses in Chicago, nineteen sixty seven. Look him up. Crazy story. Murdered all these nurses on the south side of Chicago, and uh, I saw him in in prison. Ooh. I saw him walking down, and I think he be- I think he transitioned. Oh, wow. I think it was transgender. And so you were, so you do that theater group for, how long were you dedicated to the Geese Company? I was supposed to be there for a year. I, I lasted 10 months. Oh, wow. Uh, because it was just, it's it's a real tough gig. Oh, I can't imagine. With, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I'm 25. You know, my cerebral cortex has just recently been fused and all that <laughs> going on. I don't know what the hell's going on. And I had a girlfriend in the cast. You know, I got a girlfriend in that cast and... She had a mini nervous breakdown because you're dealing with murder and death and fires and incarceration and and it was before AIDS, but there was still disease and poverty and yeah, you know. So you go, so you're then back plugged into the scene in Chicago, and how do you get connected? I head back to Chicago. Okay, and then how do you get connected to Second City? Uh, I, I left, uh, there's a missing part there and I don't really know. It's one of these things where I, I don't know why I don't remember this, but, uh, I auditioned, I did, I didn't audition. I went right from geese company to a place called cross currents where there was a guy named, there's a woman named Sharna Halpern oh. who, uh, helping this former drug addict, uh, alcoholic named Del Close to do something called the Herald. <laughs> And me, I have no idea who those people are. I didn't. I didn't know those. I didn't know those people are because sure. nobody knew who those people were. Sure. You know, this is 1983. Nobody knew who those people were. It was the fucking great secret. It was just a great secret. And I, I was on. You know, and I got there and I saw you know Dave Pesquese and Barons Barracudas and I'm like them. That. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And um, I ended up. You know, I, I ended up meeting some really great people and um, I just fell in love with it as you do, as one does. And, and, and what's really exciting is no one was no one was doing that then. And when I say no one was doing that, then I don't mean there are a couple of people that were doing it in Ohio. It's like, no, no one was doing that. There wasn't 
no one did long form improvisation like that. And so we were at the, you know, we were just the center of it. Uh, and I met, uh, not met, I was cast with Mick Napier, who you know, eventually did the Annoyance Theater. And we were in a troupe called Grime and Punishment. And Tim Meadows was in that group. And um, it was really a fantastic group. And we did a show called Splatter Theater. Splatter Theater was uh, the brainchild of Mick Napier. And at that time, we were called Metroform because we were out of the, we were working out of the Metro, Cabaret Metro in Chicago on Clark Street. And uh, we were called Metroform at that time. And Mick had this idea that he wanted to do a splatter movie live. So we, so he put together a group, a group of actors, uh, of improvisers, and we improvised it to write it. And we had a structure and then we put up a script and we ran that show. uh, And that show is still, it's still running every Halloween. It's a 13, 13 people in the audience Okay, white set. I'm sorry, 13 people in, in the cast. cast yeah. Total white set, white set, white, white. Everything was white. Everything was white. And at the end of the show, everything was blood splattered and 13, 12 people were killed. Dead. Amazing. Um, oh, my God. Oh, and so we did two shows. We would do two shows on Thursday, or two shows on Friday, two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. So what we would do is everything splattered in blood. Okay, for some, this is such a Mick thing. It was free to get in. But you had to pay ten dollars to leave. <laughs> I love that so much. Me too. That was really. We good. have to. That has anyway. to get resurrected and done. That's amazing. Just that model is amazing. It's fantastic. It was yeah. really fantastic. So the show. So the show was three acts. And it was all written. Uh, the first act, you know, ended. And then uh, we, so we had to get backstage and we had to set our props for the second and third, the, for the second act. So the second act was there was a guy named Tim Slagle, a stand up. And Tim was dressed up like a Nazi drag queen. And he would just stand on stage smoking a cigarette. And when the cigarette was out, intermission was done. So then we would do the second act. And then there was an intermission at the second act, second and third act. And there would be a guy named Kim Howard Johnson. I don't know if you know Kim. Kim was one of the first uh, people in the uh, in Barons Barracudas, and he was a really close friend of all the friend of all the Monty Python guys. He wrote a couple books. He wrote several books on Monty Python. But anyway, did a show called the the Meat Puppets, <laughs> and the Meat Puppets was it was a meat puppet show, and it was just a puppet stage, and it was a real it was a, a it was a chicken it was fucking a steak, <laughs> and that's and it was like that, and it was like a soap opera. <clears throat> I love uh, and it. then uh, and then you had the third act and so you had to pay, pay to leave so when the show was over there was another show so we had to get everybody out we had to mop the stage we had these big industrial fans we we, we mopped the stage then we dried the stage with the fans then we painted the stage again and we had duplicate duplicate uh costumes and we did the show again you painted so, and dried the stage like you did all of this in the same night yeah, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And it ran like clockwork. So one guy, I was, uh, my death was uh, I, I, uh, gardening shears in the neck. So a door opened and I got gardening shears in the neck. And there's a story. Um, it's online. The, uh, the, the uh, Splatter Theater is online. If you get, if you ask me, I'll give you the link to the show. And uh, uh, another, a woman got her tongue ripped out. Um, every, like we had a deal with a butcher and uh, the butcher would give us four cow tongues, 
And we needed four because there was a dog, a real dog in the show. And when this woman's tongue was ripped out, I'm doing quotes. When the tongue was ripped out, the dog would go and eat the tongue. Oh my God. Um, so we had four tongues. <laughs> and then there was a guy, um, Barry Saltzman. He played a cop named Officer Rita Hayworth. Don't ask. And uh, he was garroted. He had a like a pole shoved and we, we a pole shoved in his stomach. And what we had was we had like something like 15 feet of intestines that were sh that were at the, at the butcher. They would infuse the intestines with butterscotch pudding. So it would look like duty. Oh and, uh, so it was like, no, and the killer would. Oh, you know, Joe, Bill? Joe Bill was the killer. So um, <laughs> okay. uh, Joe Bill was there and uh, yeah, Joe Bill killed people. So we had uh, so at the end of the show, like this show ran and then we, we did it for a really long time. And then we left and uh, another group came in and they they took down the set. So, you know, it was plywood. And when they opened <laughs> when they ripped down the plywood, it was like a four inch jello mold, you know, because <laughs> essentially butterscotch pudding, butterscotch pudding, uh, chocolate syrup, fur, paint, paint chips. It was definitely a, wow. a biohazard. I imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine what that must have smelled like every night. I cannot imagine. Like, I just, Wasn't that bad? Because the butterscotch pudding, like who doesn't like butterscotch pudding? I guess. No. <laughs> so how did you get from that show? So that show runs for a while, but it wasn't just on Halloween when you, you all were doing it. It was regularly. No. So then how do you yeah, get to Second regularly. City? Everybody at that point, like so many people there were taking classes at Second City and I didn't really have that good. Uh, I had kind of low self-esteem and I was like, I'll wait. I'll know when I'm going to go. I'll know when I'm going to go. That's that's a whole long story. So I'll know when I'm going to go. And it's like all my friends were at Second City. So I auditioned to get into the the training center. And uh, I got in the training center. And uh, there are five levels of the training center. And I just fell in love with that place. I It was like, and this is the way I feel about Second City. I still feel this way about Second City. Every day that I was there was a gift. And I'm one of the few people who left that place having worked there and felt like they owe me nothing. They owe me absolutely nothing. And if I, you know, if I, every day I go, if, if, you know, I'm in the first level, it's like, if it ended today, I loved it. The teachers that I had there, some of them have become really close friends of mine. And the people that I was working with, they've become very close friends of mine. So I did, uh, somehow I got, one of the teachers said, you don't have to do all the levels. So I skipped a level and they had me audition for the touring company. Holy shit. Uh, I, hold on. I want to pause you. That is that doesn't happen. So to give you an idea of how incredibly talented Dave is and you you have to see this man improvise live like you have to. It's watching like so someone do a Rubik's Cube and then but also blindfolded and drunk. And you're just like, how is this magic happening in front of me? I'm not trying to gas you up. It's true. I, watching you work is is insane. It's like, oh, I will never be that good. OK, cool. No problem. And so I'm not at all surprised <laughs> that they were bumping you up levels Thank like you. that that just it was doesn't really happen. it was really great it was it was great and 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 thinking about it, it was like it wasn't that much fun it wasn't really fun because i skipped a really important level where i they taught you how to how to write sketch but it was like the group that i was in they all kind of took care of me and took mm -hmm. me under their wing and helped me out and some of the teachers there were really great that is uniquely second city in my experience with improv absolutely 
And I think about it all the time. I, I dated a woman that was in class with me back in 82 or 80, what, 83, 84, 85, whatever it was. Uh, and, you know, we broke up, but we've been friends. And she lives in Colorado and I live in L.A. And a couple of days ago, I got a phone call saying that she has cancer. Oh. And um, and the reason I'm saying this isn't like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucking horrible. But I was thinking, I met her in 85 and I met her at Second City. Mm-hmm. And this is what Second City people do. Like if you need when I when I got divorced, I had a house out here in L.A. And uh, Nia Vardalis and her husband Ian Gomez, they're like, "You can stay with us." I'm like, wow. "What are you talking about?" They said, "We have a coach house in the back, rent free." I lived there for a year. Wow, with rent free, and um, that's just the way that people are. That's just the way that mm-hmm. Second City people are. And when you're in, when when you're in the resident, this is what I think. When you're in the resident company, for me, I got nothing. I'm not professional. There's no professional jealousy. There's no. There's nothing. You, you get to a point where you think, well, you start out going, "Where's mine?" And then after a while, you go, "You you got yours, and everybody else has theirs." So just support what everybody else does, and once you do that, ah, everything becomes easier because you're not looking at somebody and saying, "Why didn't I get that shitty soap opera?" Oh, and why did I get that shitty television show? I need to interrupt you, though, because I don't I, I want our listeners to understand the Zen and just uh, it, it, the incredible serenity that you have, because I want you to please, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable name dropping who you were in the company with and why it's so incredible that you've come to this really spiritual place, because you have also had and have had and have a fantastic career that people would shoot puppies for. But what, how, who was in the company with you? The people that I worked with at Second City throughout my, I did 10 shows there. I was there for seven years. I did 10 shows there. And uh, the people that I worked with were um, uh, uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, Rachel Dratch, Scott Adsit, and uh, other people that were there at that, that were there right after me was Adam McKay, who I worked with a little bit over there, the great director and uh, writer Adam McKay. It was just an amazing, it's just an amazing group of people. I remember meeting Carell for the first time because we were, we were asked to do a show. Uh, Michael Gelman, the director Michael Gelman, asked us to do a show uh, that was three acts, imp- uh, imp- improv into writing. So it was like improv into writing. I remember sitting in the lobby before, you know, lobby with this guy and he was just a really nice guy. And then we went into the, to audition together and he blew me the fuck away. And I'm like, if this is what improv is, I'm going to see if my dad can get me a job as an electrical apprentice because it's like, this is fucking crazy. And he was so wonderful. And afterwards I was like, tell me your name again. It's like Steve Carell. It's like, okay. And then Carell and I toured, you know, Carell and I uh, got in the touring company together. We toured together. Um, there's a really great story. We were in, uh, we're at the Daniel Boone Motor Lodge in something like Maysville, Kentucky or something on the road. <laughs> Horrible shitholes that we would stay in. And uh, a lot of the women in the company were like, we're not staying there. And when I say Motor Lodge, I think you know exactly the building that I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, so it's like, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. So I go, because I just I just did prisons. I lived on a school bus. <laughs> like, I didn't fucking care. The bar was that Great. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I don't care. So um, we go to the Daniel Blue Motor Lodge, and I walk in, the carpet's functional, and I go into the bathroom, and the towels are thin, but whatever. And it's got doesn't have a bar of soap. It's got that, you know, that 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 that, that powdery soap. You oh know what I mean? my gosh! Oh. Yeah, that can take your fingerprints off. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, this is fine. And I grab my I grab my suitcase and I'm about to throw it on the bed. And Corel grabs my arm and goes, no. And I'm like, what? And I look on the duvet, 
and there's a three foot circle of blood, <gasps> dried blood on the duvet. Dave, went, that's not true. Okay, wait, wait. That's not true. It's true. Blood? It's true. It's true. It's dried blood. It was dried blood. And this is one of those things, Kate, where where I I'm I'm in a uh, so I got my podcast and I had Carell on my podcast and a lot of it was a lot of it was this you know you get to a point where you go did I did I imagine this story did I make it up and I'm like Steve do you remember Daniel Boone Motor Lodge is like where the blood was it was like great I remember <laughs> now hold on hold on if that's not enough so in my writing of the book I want to go what happened to the Daniel Boone Motor Lodge what's going on with the Daniel Boone Motor Lodge so I I go to Yelp. Or travel, travel, velocity. Yeah. I'm reading all the reviews, and one of the reviews is, and this is a review from probably 2014 or something. And one of the reviews is this we walked in and we looked at the duvet, and there was a three foot dried blood on the duvet. I will send you, I will send you the review of that. I will send that to you. Shocking. I, 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 Shocking. I, like, and that was from years, years later. So, so wait, I interrupted. It was, your, it was, a, it was a different duvet. That's what it had to have been. Like, yeah. It's gotta be a but, different duvet. But I want to go back. So I interrupted you. So when you go to throw your suitcase on and Steve's like, yo, don't like, we no. Did you end up staying there then? Or did you guys? No, was no, no. We're like, get back, get the fuck back in the van. We're going to the Ramada Inn or whatever the fuck it was. So were you on a budget for that tour where they told you where you had to stay? Or were you guys just trying uh, to? Yeah, there was a Named, there was a woman named Lynette who ran the tours oh, the okay. because there were three touring companies at the time and, and we couldn't get in touch with her because the women, you know, when we drove up, the women went, we're not going to, we're not staying here. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So they tried calling her from a payphone. Remember those? We tried calling her from a payphone and we couldn't get in touch with her because it was a Saturday or whatever it was. And um, so I was like, I guess we're staying here. Get, get over it, everybody. Ooh, okay. So you go on tour with Second City and you're, um, what got you to LA? Cause you were artistic director for Second City, Los Angeles or the training center in Los Angeles for 10 years. So what, why did you make the move to LA? Was it to be the artistic director? No, 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 no. I was in the tour. I was, this is what I vowed it. When I was at Second City, I vowed, um, if I ever called doing a show, going to work, I would quit. And then one day I went, I have to go to work. And I was like, fuck. I have to quit. So I gave notice in Jan, uh, December 94, and I was married at the time, to Katie, Kate. And uh, I, was married, I was married at the time. And uh, my wife wasn't ready to leave yet. So she stayed in Chicago for about a year and a half, and then I moved. But uh, I moved there. This is what I was thinking. I was thinking I had, I've done everything that I wanted in Chicago. I know this sounds weird. I never wanted to work at Second City. I never wanted to work at Second City. I, I I don't have, my mind doesn't work that way. And I felt like, I don't know, uh, I'll go to LA. And, uh, at the time I had a friend whose house was being foreclosed on and he's like, you can stay here until the sheriffs come by and kick us out. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so I stayed there for a year rent free. And then, uh, Katie moved out, moved out to LA with me. And then, and then, and then I toured around there. Uh, and then, and then I just did odd jobs. I did a lot of commercials then, and that was really great. And then I was asked to do a tour of the uh, complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. Do you know oh, that show? Yes. And it a great show. Oh. I saw it in London. I saw it in London. It and I was like, this is the greatest fucking show ever. It's it was so well done. Really well done. Yeah. And when I saw it in London, I was like, this is improvised. And I was like, no, it's not improvised. It's not one line. Well, there's a little improv portion in it, but it's like, no. And uh, I was asked to join the Reduce Shakespeare company. So I joined them for a tour. I'm a member of the Reduce Shakespeare company. Holy shit. I don't know. 
And then they did a tour of the, they did a run at the Kennedy Center. So I did that for a bit. Uh, And then a bunch of airplanes slammed into a bunch of buildings and then everything changed. Yeah. And it was around that time where, no, it wasn't around that time. uh, I I had, they wanted to extend the tour. They, like we, they wanted to, they wanted to extend the tour, and around that time, they uh, I was offered the the uh, artistic director job at Second City, and I was like, eh, might as well take it. You know, this is something else. I think that my career is going in that direction. But what I'd also done, this is I'm all over the fucking place here. While I was well, before I took the job as an artistic director at Second City, I went. Uh, I was I directed two shows at Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. That was a pretty phenomenal experience there too. You're sort of like, with the time in history and what, what's going on, you're like, okay, well, my career feels as though it's on the trajectory to be an artistic director, but then did you still want to pursue acting, or were you like, I'm going to settle into this new role and that's going to be it for acting? Um, I, I did it for a while, and I was like, I'm going to like it, and then what ends up happening, anybody who's an artistic director will realize it's a lot of admin work, and you go, I don't want to do the admin work, I really don't want to, I don't really care to do the admin work. And then what ended up happening was someone in Chicago, we were in LA and Second City was coming, was out of Chicago. And someone in Chicago wanted to change the way that Second City worked just in terms of how you teach classes and all that. And um, I got it. And they, they made my life kind of miserable there. They made me like check in all the time and they wanted to know what I was doing all the time. And then one day they called me and they said, Second City from Chicago called me and said, uh, do you have a minute? I was like, anytime anybody says no, nope, it's minute, never good. <laughs> never good. I'm like, yeah, I got a minute. You're my boss. I got a minute. Uh, we got a phone call from one of your teachers. I was like, okay. And they said um, they they have they have a, they have a problem. And I'm like, okay, what's the problem? It's like, well, we really can't tell you what it is. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, we we promised that we wouldn't say what it was. And then, it's like, then why are you calling okay. me? <laughs> right. So first, the first time I think, first off, I said, who was it? And they said, we can't tell you that. And they said, this, and I said, okay, so what's the problem? They said, we can't tell you that. And, and then they said this, we can't tell you, but we want you to take the weekend to figure out why somebody would say such a thing. Dave, I'm hey, going to throw my computer. They're not telling me. No. Right. No, 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 no. no, no. And I went, I went, ah, what? And I said, are you firing me? And they went, if we were going to fire you, we'd fire you. I was like, no, that's not how Second City works. <laughs> you would do this to get me fired. Can't have so, the direct um, conversation. Ugh, ugh. Nope, nope. And, and you know what? I, you know, don't, don't fuck with me. I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't hate Second City when they leave there, when they're there. So it's like, whatever. But this is really the truth. When the universe tells you to clear out your locker and you ignore mm. the universe, your fucking locker is going to be cleared out. That is so and true. And here's the thing. Clear it out because if you don't, you know, the sheriff comes in and then all of your shit is on the fucking front lawn. I'm mixing my metaphors here, but um, <laughs> it's working though. It's working. Keep to, going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stick with it, Dave. And so what ended up happening was I got off the phone with this person and I said, take the weekend. I got off the phone with the person and my girlfriend at the time who was uh, uh, doing the tours, they had a second city, had a deal with Norwegian tours and she just happened to call me and she's a very spiritual person. And she said, um, I told her what happened. She goes, okay. When you get off this phone, call with me. I want you to write down everything that you want in the world. Write it all down. I don't, go, I don't care if one of them is if one of them is like grow wings from your testicles. It's like fucking write it down. And I wrote down. I remember writing down. I got to like twenty six uh, of things that I wanted, 
And I looked at the paper maybe a year or two later. I can't find it. Um, I did 14 of them. I will I think is a good number. die. That's amazing. That's more than half. And did, was uh, one of them wings on your testicles? Tell me that came true. It, you know what it was? It was the telephone, the, te- the, the television show wings was on my testicles. So I didn't, I, I wasn't clear on that. I was like, that's, that's on me. That's on me. It is so on you. There were it is wings, on but it was like, but one of the things on that was travel the world and get paid to teach and perform improvisation. Well, you are still doing that today. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Well, I'm not doing it, but yeah, but that's what I did. Like I've, I've, I've amassed literally 980,000 frequent flyer miles on traveling. I'm a million miler on American airlines. And so when I say, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I, I fucking want everybody to know, you don't know what the fuck you're going to do when you grow up. You don't have no idea what you're going to do. And everybody else gets their career. And when you're born, you don't realize this, but you fill out this job application and you get hired right away to be you. That's your job. When you get born, you, are, <laughs> you get the job. You get a job right the fuck away. Like the moment you pop out, like suddenly you're employed full time. Full time. I feel you know? I, I, it's so oh, you're giving me so many gems. Uh, yeah, that's a really beautiful, lovely way of looking at it. I got chills all over my whole body when you said that your girlfriend at the time was like, all right, write down everything you want. I was just like, oh, that's such a cool way to spin something like that on its face. And I love the idea of the universe will, will clear out your locker for you if you're not if you're not paying attention. I just oh, right. I love it. Well, I, 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 know, I know you want to go in this room, but no. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Oh, I've really been thinking about your show, and and I know that when you and I were talking about me being on the show, I was thinking I've never, I don't have a job that I fucking hated. I don't, I just don't. Well, it's like, like I, I've had jobs that I hated, but it's not. I wasn't working with the with the people. You know, it'd be I had a job that was my job was shoveling broken glass into dumpsters at a warehouse that burned down i thought it was a job but a job that that i really loved and i know this is crazy um i worked for a place called the almar mole clinical lab almar mole clinical lab and what they did was they did tests on all the fluid that comes out of people and this was 1982 1983 so i would go in my little dodge um their dodge omni and I would go to hospitals and clinics and pick up cum and poop and <laughs> pee and cough. <laughs> and at that time, nobody – it was so funny thinking about it now. It's like – so you know you know the, 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 the file boxes that you can buy at Staples, the cardboard ones? Yeah. And the lids on them? Yeah. So we would use the lids to put all the poop and the cum – in these lids Ooh. and I didn't think about it and would just shove it in the back of a van, shove it in the back of the car and uh, I would pick up my friend Richard Label and he and I would smoke cigarettes and like, <laughs> like just fucking shoot the shit and bring it back and it's like, it was a great fucking job. I bet. I mean, they, they called it courier. I was going to ask you, was the title like poop, poop deliver? Like, what was your? No, it was courier. Ah, uh, sure. Okay. Well, we're going to, okay. So well, we we are going to transition, but I did make it, you'll hear what I, I make a note of it because we're going to skip through, we're breaking from our normal format. So we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go on to the entrees after a quick break. Mm-hmm. 
So now this is where I say we are back and now it's time for the entrees. And I said, now, folks, I want to preface this by saying I had to convince Dave to be on the podcast because he literally said to me, and this is a direct quote, to be honest, I don't really have many negative experiences in customer service. Isn't that weird? Question mark is what he said. And so we're going to push past the negative questions and lean harder into the dessert section where all the positive stuff is, because just because I'm cynical doesn't mean that everyone else is. So you don't have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I can I ask a question? Sure. Is there a way for you can like, like maybe prod my brain? Like ask me, yeah. didn't you have a person do this or didn't you have a person yeah. do that? Like like uh, and maybe maybe it's in there and I just don't have it. And I think I could do it in three questions. I could go. This is not going anywhere. Okay, you tell me. We'll we'll go in the order and then I'll follow your story. And then if we're not getting there, we'll jump to dessert. So what okay. what was your first job ever? Where now it doesn't have to be customer service, but where the government was taking taxes out of your income? I was working. My dad got me a job at a place, and I was making boxes. Oh boy. Okay. Now I, I was seventeen or something. Seventeen. Six, no, I had to be 15 and I was making boxes and I was really good at it. So there's a box. I don't know if you know about making boxes. I don't. You know, there's a box making machine. It's a, a metal rod that's got a base on it. So imagine a base with a metal rod on and that metal rod has uh, staples that are like a, like a, a wire that goes through and it makes its own staples. So you would, so somehow you'd put it on, you'd slam the box in and it goes, goosh, and it would just goosh, 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 goosh. And then you toss them into a, a corner. And I have to tell you, that's a really fucking satisfying job. Oh, complete start beginning, middle, and end, where you see it start to finish. Yeah, and yes, absolutely. Abs. Any job that you have where you're able, now you know, I don't know. As a performing artist, you don't really get to see the fruits of your labor. As yeah, a teacher, right. you don't get to see the fruits of your labor. But those are the kind of jobs where it's like, look at me, I made all those boxes, or there was a pile of glass. And it's smaller now. <laughs> because of me. Yeah. Because of me. Yeah. It's smaller now. Um, I had another job where I was uh, delivering. Oh, I fucking love this job so much. Another job I loved. Working for a drugstore when there were drugstores. And I was delivering prescriptions to people at the fucking drugstores. You know? And and when I wasn't doing that, I was doing the cash register. And uh, that's where I started my smoking habit. I smoked for 30, 29 years. I smoked cigarettes for 29 years. Packs were like 40 cents a pack. You're like, fuck, I'll, I'll get, you know, I'll fucking drink. I'll do this. Smoke. <laughs> I'll do that. And I love that job. That was another job. That was another job. It's like met people hanging out, money in the pocket. It seems like you you have a tendency to like jobs that put you in your car and allow you or that like allow you to travel. So some sort of mobility in your job seems to be something you get into. And then interacting with like not masses of humans, but more on the like intimate level of interaction seems to be your thing. It's a really good point. That's a really good point because um, what I would do if I was delivering something, I would just go and I go, "How you doing? Great, bye bye." Or if I was picking up poop, got the poop here now. The poop's good. <laughs> Hope there's corn in it or it's not poop. And uh, and then and what do I do? What, you know, when I'm traveling, what do I do? I fly into London. I work in the nursery and I go, "This is it." So it's like Johnny Appleseed, and I'm gone. And that's what. So so I'll go to. So I'll go to London, then I'll go to so I'll go to London, and I'll go to uh, I'll go to Dublin, I'll go to Belfast. So I'm like oh. ganging them all up there, and then I'll go to Oslo, and I'll go to you know it's like all these places and meet all these people, and then and then leave, and then leave, and that way, and then come home. Yeah, there's something about. I mean, I think that that speaks to the performance artist in you of, and I I that I think that's maybe why a lot of us also like to travel is the you know you can sort of parachute in, drop some gifts, and then bye. 
okay. And that's kind of what theater is, right? You just sort of parachute onto the stage, drop your gifts, and then you're like, bye. I'll pro- I will never see this exact grouping of humans in this way ever again. It's just this is one a right. moment in time. So you're you're a moment in time person. It seems like I'm a moment in time person. Um, I also want to point out, like like when you are a teacher, you're really alone. Like you're by yourself yeah. most of the time. I love that. I love that. It's like, you know, I get to pick if I want to hang out with people afterwards. Like, I want to go for a drink. And if not, it's like, I'm not drinking with these people. I'm in London. I'm going to drink with those people. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> uh, but it, but you are, because it's not like being in, being in, being in a, in a cast with a bunch of people where it's like, Hey everybody, we're going to, we're going to do this show. Yeah. But it is, it is, I, I was alone, but I was seldom lonely. I mean, I really, I really like myself. And it hasn't always been that way. Uh, and I feel like any, like any way, you have to remind yourself that you need to be your own best friend. And you have to deal with yourself with humor and compassion. And one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is a couple one. One is uh, the greatest gift that you can give yourself is to go, I'm, I'm, I, I like me. And when you can really laugh at your fuck-ups and don't have any regrets at all, about it because you can't do anything about it once it happens it's happened uh you know i know people make the joke about it but i i have a ted talk and my ted talk is about that it's about i was at a show and i is a show at the goodman theater in chicago and i forgot i was at a show and i thought i was at an improv show and i shouted something out Third line out. And I thought they were taking suggestions. I'm like, this is the fucking Goodman Theater, you jerk. <laughs> and, um, oh my God, uh, I cannot imagine. <laughs> and, it's, and it's one of those things where you go, okay, I got a couple of choices here. I just did that. That just happened. Here are the choices. The choices are leave. <laughs> They're just three lines in. Just fucking leave. Leave. Another choice is sit here and go into a shame spiral. Or accept that that happened and enjoy the show. Mm. And all three of those are choices that you make. None of those are chronic. It's not like you've got something in your bloodstream that says you have to do one thing or one thing or one thing. You're the one that's in charge of that. And any good improviser, or any good actor, or any good human being, uh, the more that we do things deliberately and with intention – the more we feel like we're in charge of what it is that's going on, not in charge, but the more we feel that we're, 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 we're in control, in control of the emotional ride that we're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think no, no time illustrated more how little control we actually have than COVID and just having it upend so much. And that really the only thing you can control is that inside work that you're talking about of like being your own best friend. And it, it speaks to also like how many, would you say you've had, relatively speaking, how many customer service jobs? Because I would consider dropping off, you know, prescriptions and doing the cash register. Mm. But I also consider teaching customer service. I really do. Because you are... Oh, for sure. Yeah, your fee- the feedback decides if you're employed. So how many would you say uh-huh. you've had? Like, could you ballpark in your lifetime? Um, I, well, I was, I, was a ca- I was a salesman at a camera store. But I love that job. I was a, a, camera, a salesman at a camera store. I would say artistic director at Second City was definitely customer service. A teacher is customer service, so there's that. That's a, a major part. When you are the, uh, when I was the uh, the photo editor of a newspaper, that's customer service. When you're a photo editor of the newspaper, when you're when you're a photographer on that, you're, that's customer service. So I've had a lot of. That's like that's ten. one, two, three. Yeah, you were you just listed five. 
because I threw yeah. teacher in there. So I would say 10, 10 is probably yeah, a rounder. Yeah. So 10. Yeah. 10. Oh, I also had another job that was, that, that was a, a shit show job, but it was only a shit show job. I loved it. Again, I loved it. I was working the, uh, the, the Skyway is a toll road in Chicago. And uh, you go from an expressway and then there's a toll road and there's a toll booth, a big toll booth, like maybe 15 lanes that go back into six. And my job was to t- a job where I was taking a survey. It's like, how do you, I got, I got five questions for you. And you're walking <laughs> with the car with the five questions. Like how obvious is it? And, what, and, and where are you going? Work at home. And it's like, uh, and, and uh, how often do you take the Skyway? And it's like, boom, now boom. So um, I had that job and that was really hot. Yeah. And it was in the summer. It was hot and it was dumb, but I fucking loved it. I got to walk on the Skyway. How many people walk on the fucking Skyway? You, it sounds like, are the only one. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend at the time, Karen Zoot. Karen How about Zoot. that for a last name? It's a really good last Karen name, actually. Zoot. I would not. It's a really good name. Yeah. If you were if you're in an improv scene and you said Zoot, I think the director would go, you know, come up with a real name. And you'd be like, but it is. But it is. This is going to be a hard question for you then. Of all of those customer service jobs that you've just been thinking about, including walking the Skyway, which was your actual favorite? And you can't say, well, you can say, you can say teaching because you do that now. But, but of those mm, sort of sprinkled in customer service jobs, which was your absolute favorite? The poop run. Really? Oh, okay. fuck yeah. Okay, Why? Oh, I got to I got to listen to the radio. I got to smoke cigarettes. I got to hang out with my friend Richard Label. I got to meet. So there was, you know, I I I, I got to park double park in front of a, in a loading zone. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I, you know, I got to have lunch. Um, I also had a job where I, you know, I, I had a job where I was uh, delivering. I worked in a fruit store, so that's definitely customers. I worked in a fruit store. That was another fucking great job. Uh, except when I would like take too many cherries and then be on the freeway and then the cherries would make me go, if I don't fucking find a toilet right now, this is going to be a story <laughs> I'm not going to want to tell. So that was that job. But I love that other job. I loved it. I love the people that I met there. And, and it was my, you know, it's like uh, Sam and Inga owned the place and they were both Holocaust survivors and they were Aww. the fucking salt of the earth people. I love that job. Not that I would go, not that I would, I would trade it for anything. I also worked, I was a graphic artist at a, at a high end printing shop, a printing plant for uh, two years. And that was, that was a cool job because it was creative and uh, I'm a creative type. So I loved it, but definitely the poop run jobs were great. Okay. The poop run jobs because the, because the people. Well then, and it's a poop run, Kate. It's poop run. You get to say poop run. <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're leading writing. it. <laughs> That's why you like it is because you but, can say it now. <laughs> poop run. Uh, this book I'm writing, uh, my editor who's been with me for a while, she's like, "You're such a boy." Because <laughs> I love saying poop run. Poop she's run. Like, can you, I, I understand. Can you just say courier? It's like poop run. <laughs> <laughs> Any poop opportunity. Run. I'm surprised you didn't call it like poop. almost farts. <laughs> um, okay, almost so, farts. So, <laughs> what is the so in any of these jobs, then it sounds like every job you had the intuition where you decided this job has run its course, including when you were performing at Second City. So was the Second City job the only job that, where you were sort of passive aggressively not fired, but fired? Like, have you been fired from any of these jobs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was fired from the job at the printing shop. Oh, uh, why? I was fired because uh, they re- at that time it was either. Uh, my my focus was was being in the touring company, the Second City, and not being at that job. Ah, that was you know like not at that job. And they're like, it's obvious to us that you don't want to be here anymore. And I couldn't argue it. It was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> you're like, I you're don't. Right. But it's a it's that feeling of like, yeah, good. <laughs> now now I 
get to put my focus on on this here. And it was like it doesn't it doesn't feel good to be fired. No, but it feels it feels it doesn't hurt as much when you know it's your fault. Sure, <laughs> you're like I saw this coming. It's your fault. Yeah, <laughs> I saw this. It's it's your fault. Yeah. It's your fault. But if they're passive aggressive, it's like come on. Yeah, man. Just uh, yeah, fire me. Just just fucking you know. Just do it. Get a spine. Do yeah. it. Just fucking fire me. Yeah. Do it. If you're having a hard time with me, do it. Just yeah. Do just, it. just be honest. Be authentic. What's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock at mm-hmm. any job? I mean, cutting open some intestines from a butcher shop that are filled with butterscotch pudding is is up there. I mean, that's yeah, up I, there. I didn't have anything to do with that. That oh, was somebody okay. else's job. I, I don't know. You know, just like think I think about things at Second City that happened, uh, things that happened, but it it wasn't the weirdest thing. It just happened. So I'm thinking like like while you're at work and something happens yes. at work. I guess that's what you're asking. Yeah. yeah. So um, Steve Carell, Steve Carell, no, Steve Carell, you know Carell, Steve Carell, which Carell? Steve Carell. <laughs> Steve Carell uh, uh, wrote this Who? dumb fucking song. Steve Carell, you know Steve Carell. <laughs> he wrote this really dumb song, and it was a it was an homage to Twinkies. Okay. And. Uh, and it was uh, it was just it was the end of the first act, and it was you know him going whatever however it's and the song was we love we love Twinkie snack cakes yes we really do we love Twinkie snack cakes because they're fun for me and you and then you you ha- you memorize the ingredients which was not an easy thing to remember and the last line is because your mom loves them and then Carell would take a bite of the, the Twinkie and then like just wing it the other half into the audience so he went on vacation and I took the song. And I went, because if I'm me and, and I sang the song, it was really fun. It's like, I got this down and I'm, I'm eating it and I don't. And what I, I didn't at the end when I'm supposed to whip it at an arc so it flies into the back of the house, I whipped it. And this is, and as the lights went down, like I whipped it and I heard this woman go, oh my hair. Because <laughs> you fastballed it to her face. <laughs> I fast, I was like, Poosh! And, and I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't even, I can't think of another thing. That oh, that's did. pretty fantastic. <laughs> that's yeah. It's like, I don't. I, I I know that when we're done, I'm going to think of something that I had to do. That it's like that I did. That I. But now I can't think of what that thing would be. Um, I think a Twinkie to the face is is um. That's a pretty. I think Twinkie to the face unique. I did get fired from. I got fired when I was the uh, when I was a photographer at the, at the paper. I got I I had a. I did get fired for not doing not doing a gig. It was uh, a friend of mine came in. I, I got fired, and then then that guy who fired me left, and somebody else rehired me. But um, a friend of mine came in. Northern Illinois DeKalb is where I went to school, and my friend came in from Southern Illinois or something. He said, "What are you doing tonight?" It's like I, I got to do a wine tasting. I had to photograph a wine tasting, and he went, "I had blown off." I'm like, "Blow it off." What are you talking about? Blow it off. You can't, can't. blow it off. It's like, blow it off. Come on. I was like, uh, no, like, I got some acid. Let's do acid. And I'm like, uh, I think I'll do the acid, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow off the Dave. Oh my God. So I did the acid. Oh my God. And then I ended, I ended up blowing off the gig. Oh, and I deserve I th- to be fired. No, but that's way better. I thought you were about to tell a story of how you then showed up for the job and it was wicked. Yeah. No, okay. No, no. Okay. When you're doing acid, it's like, God, do I want to go to work? It's like, no. No. I don't want to go to work. <laughs> so that was what happened there. That's a, that'll do it. That'll get you fired from a job. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got fired. And I deserved it. I totally fucking deserved it. See, I wonder how many people like, like get fired and, and really admit that they fucked up. Only one other time can I think of on the podcast where someone said the actual sentence, 
I got fired and I totally deserved it. That is, you are the only the second guest out of like a bajillion interviews. So uh, it's pretty impressive that you're at that place. So then that makes me want to probe a little deeper about have you ever then been pushed to your limit or have you always been this like, you know, pretty Zen willing to, t- to acknowledge your part in things like you, you take ownership and you are in acceptance of circumstances. Have, do you have a limit that a customer or an employer or someone could push you to where you lose it or are you mostly like no? Nah, I get it. Um, when I'm when when I'm teaching, I often have because I because what I teach is different than what, than what other people teach, um, and people aren't used to my teaching style or my methodology rather. And I will have people. Uh, I had a woman in um, in Sydney who's like, "You're mean. You're not nice. You're 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 rotten. You're a phony. You're full of baloney. It's like you're full of shit. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you drop names like you know all these great people." And I was, you know, I was like, and I had to go, this is what I I did this. I was like, and I went, stop. And I told her, stop. You have to stop. You have to stop. I think we're done here. I think you have to go. She's like, God damn right. I'm going to go. It's like, go. But that was, that was me going, this is on you lady. Yeah. That wasn't, you know, so I don't, I don't know. I've had a couple of times where, where people have stormed out of my classes and I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of instances of that. And uh, I've been more sensitive to it lately, where it's like people are pe- people are in charge of their own uh, learning curve, and you got to be gentle because I because I I'm intense. I'm an I'm an intense teacher, and I get I will get in your face, but I will get in your face in a really lovely way. I was gonna say I'm not gonna I, get in your face. Yeah, my experience with no. you was not. I mean, you, you you're very passionate, but I don't ever remember like. I've had teachers throw chairs at me. You are not that person. Oh, like you are. No. Y- yeah, that's that's shocking to me. But it means it's drumming up like you are able to acknowledge. It's drumming up their shit that they got to work on. It's not. That's Absolutely. just not about you. And I, and if you, I, I believe that there, there, I know I know this to be true. There's a, somebody once emailed me and said we we have a um, uh, there's a quote that you that you said. And we want to use it for pro, pro, uh, for uh, promotion. I was going to say for probation. It's like no, <laughs> wait for promotion. We want to use it for promotion. And I was like, I don't remember saying that. So I Googled it to see if it's out there. And I couldn't find that, but I did find a Reddit thread, which is never a good thing. Uh, that was um, the Reddit thread was, "Would someone please explain Dave Rosowski to me?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Oh fuck!" And at that moment, you go. What? And it was, it was, this is really an important thing. I said the, the best gift that you can give yourself is to laugh at yourself. The second best gift, maybe it's the first best gift, is this. What other people think of me is none of my business. Hello. And I am a fucking firm believer in that. I am a firm believer in that. And if you want to give a gift to yourself, give yourself the gift of what other people think of me is none of my business because it's a constant gift that you get all the time. Eleanor Roosevelt said that, right? Isn't that, that's her quote, right? I I don't know. I don't know. Sure. She said it. And by the way, fucking horrible person. Uh, And I told that to her face. (laughs) That Um, bitch. um, Fuck her. For her and Audrey Hepburn. Fuck Audrey Hepburn. I'm Audrey Hepburn. Um, I did a skit once with my with my writing partner Tamara Vick, and it was uh, this is not this is one of those things where um, we were thinking who's the who's the who's the one person that nobody would ever say anything bad about. And uh, and the skit was called Audrey Hepburn is a and it was the c word. Um, So. 
so I was like, I'm, I'm going to read it. And one of the things that, so this is what they said. They said, somebody said, um, I didn't take a class from him, but I heard. Oh, here we go. Fuck that, off. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I, but I heard that he, he, he yells at people. He gets in your face. And he yells at people, gets in your face, he swears a lot, and he forces you to do the scene that he wants you to do. And I went, fuck. They're absolutely right on every single one of those points. I'm passionate. I get in your face. And and the big thing is, uh, yes, I want you to do the scene that I want you to do. Do you know why? You hired Hi, Yeah, you're the coach. To help you do this. Yes. I'm like, and I am going to do the scene that I want to do because you've already fucking done the scene that you want to do and you aren't happy with it. So you're coming to me to help you do the scene that you want to do. So what's so so for me, I was like, whatever, 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 whatever. And and I do have Kate, I have a reputation. I do have a reputation. I've had students go say that same thing where they'll say, you know, I, I, I like, and why are you taking this class? You know, I'll ask that at the beginning and someone will go, well, you know, I'll take it because I want to, there's always somebody who will say, I heard that you were intense and I think I'm ready for that kind of training. And I'm like, all right, but you know, who's the first person to cry in a class? That guy. I am. Oh, you are. I'm, I am the first person to cry in a class. I am the first person who will take, if you say, who will go, you know, at the end of class, I'll go, what'd you get out of today? And when people tell me all the things that they got out of today, that session, I regularly get weepy because I'm like, I cannot, and I'm getting weepy right now. I can't believe that you've given me the time and I can't believe that you opened up yourself and I can't believe that you're courageous and I can't believe that you're here and I can't believe that you didn't walk out. And I just love all those things. I'm lucky in that way. Mm. I'm not lucky. I mean, because it's, I just love I just love the the passion that we have. I love that people come into class because you're right. I'm not going to teach you know I'm not going to teach you how to do freeze tag. I'm not going to teach you how to do party quirks. I'm not going to teach any of those things because you can learn that somewhere else. But what I will do is uh, you're going to walk out and you're going to feel better about yourself because you're going to know that you are, you know, you're your best teacher. You're going to say things that didn't that you didn't know that you're going to say, and you're going to do scenes that you didn't know you're going to do, and you're going to connect with people that you didn't want to connect to, and. We're here to surprise each other. That's right. Uh, you know, in improvisation, you go, yeah, uh, I expect to be surprised, but I don't expect to be surprised at being surprised. And those are the classes where you go, oh, fuck. There's another level, whole another level. <laughs> Do you have an example then of like, or like, have you ever told a, a student that you, on your terms or before they got to blow up where you just said, you know what, it's time that we sort of part ways. You have had that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a woman in New York who I work with regularly. Uh, we worked regularly. I was a teacher and there were a bunch of other teachers that were teaching in this program. It's a week long program. And we were really it's intense because you're there and you're away from your home and all that. And that's one of the reasons that you do these things. And it was a show where uh, the directors every night we would do a show with this particular with the group that you were working with during the day. And at that one show. Oh, and then and then we get the side coach while we're while we're it's like an open rehearsal. And uh, a woman came in who I'd known for several years, and she came. You know, she was doing a scene, and I went, Susan, I need for you to do this. And she turned, she went, Fuck you, Rosowski. Fuck you. I'm going to do this, and fuck you. And I went, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, for me, I'm not I'm not adverse to stopping the show. Wow. So there's an audience, and I went, um, We're going to take a break. And uh, go out, get yourself some drinks, and, uh, and we'll be back. And then we went backstage, and I went, you and I are done. We're finished. We're done. 
you don't say that to anybody, but you and I are finished and we're finished. And, um, and that was on your turn, but that was in the middle of, that was a performance or that was, that was, it was a performance. I can't imagine turning to someone on stage and saying, fuck you in front of people. I can't imagine saying that to anyone, but like, I can't, I, can't, I uh-uh. just, I, I mean, wow. Good for you. Good for you for taking care of yourself. For me, but it's also, I, I need, I'm in, I'm in control of what the fuck the audience is watching to a certain extent. And I, and, and this is not going to be okay. Now that turned out where we came back and she wasn't in the show and the show went, well, I remember when I was in the touring company, um, we did a, we did a show on Christmas Eve for a group of Jewish teens who were having a reunion uh, from a summer camp. And there were four, <laughs> there was six of us and there were four mics in front on the, on the stage, which never happens because that's sort of like, what I read the temptations. Um, <laughs> and it was just screaming children, screaming, fucking screaming children. They didn't hear anything. The lights were wrong. Everything was wrong. And I just got to a point where it's like, stop, 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 stop. And I got to a mic and I took the mic off and like, Someone paid a lot of fucking money. I didn't say fucking. Someone paid a lot of money for us to be here. Now, if you don't want to be here, leave. I'm not going to feel bad. I went to camp. I loved camp. I love summer camp. I know I went to, you know, and I told them that camp, and everybody knew what the camp was. I was like, all right, so if you don't want to be here, leave. I'm not going to feel bad. And I put the mic back in, and it was silent. <laughs> for like one minute until someone says, Moshe, we're sitting over here. Oh my and, God. Like, and then it was mayhem. <laughs> Did that show go on or was it just like, forget it? Oh, that show went on. That show went on. <laughs> that show went on. Uh, there was, at Second City, we would have this, we, we, we're, if you were the shitty touring company, which I think we were, you would get shows that for, for uh, the show is, it's a show is called Jews Against Comedy. <laughs> And it would just, it wasn't, that wasn't the official name, certainly, but it was like, like, uh, we're doing the, yeah, we're doing the Hadassah Sisterhood. It's like, oh, another Jews Against Comedy show. Oh my God, it's too much. Well, on that note, we're going to go on to the good stuff. We hoped you all saved room for dessert. Okay, what's the nicest thing that either a customer or a boss or a student has done for you or something that you can think of nice if you don't want to hyperbo- be hyperbolic? It just happened. My birthday was April 10th. And I have no idea that this was coming. It was Sunday. I had a, a Zoom class at, from noon to two or something like that. And um, this student said, I, I'm not feeling good. I'm gonna have to cut. You know, you know, we get the coaching, this kind of thing. It's like I'm not feeling good. Um, can, can we can we stop now? It's like sure, we can stop now. I'm so sorry you don't feel good. And then I left this room through that door, and I went into the dining room, and uh, Laura, my girlfriend, is at the table, and she's like, "Come here." I'm like, "Oh, what's happening?" They did an hour and a half tribute to me. And they had, it's been, it was planned for, I don't know how long, a month. And they had all these people do testimonials about how I changed their life. And it was like all my students. And then, and I could send you the link. It was just really an amazing thing. It was like an hour and a half. It's like, and I felt like, is this, is this a eulogy? Um, and it was all these people that I haven't seen in years, like Rachel Hamilton, who is a great teacher. I don't know if you know Rachel, Rachel Hamilton, Eric Honeycutt, like oh, these people Eric. that I love performing with. And it was 
like where they fucking got them, my brother and my sister and my, you know, it's like, where the fuck did these people come from? And then this woman, Judy Weatherby, put this whole fucking thing together with graphics. And, and then she went, um, and I was like, okay, great. And she goes, we got one more. And I went, okay. And I'm, sta- I'm sitting there at my table and they're showing me and Laura and I'm holding it and, and you know, smash cut to um, Colbert. And he went, oh, brother, it's your birthday. And then he sang happy birthday to me. Oh, wow, Dave. That's so lovely. It was really lovely. And that was lovely, but that wasn't the loveliest. I mean, certainly the loveliest was that they did that and that the production value was like, wow, you really fucking did that. You don't know how you affect people. And as a teacher, you know, I said, it's the closest thing to go, oh, there's that pile of boxes. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, where yeah. you don't see the fruits of your labor. And then people get on and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're using the methodology words that I use when I teach class. And they're using cat, Rosowski catchphrases and all that stuff because I'm just, I'm lousy with catchphrases, Rosowski catchphrases. But it's, it was the greatest thing that anybody has ever, and I get, obviously I get very moved when I think about it. And I, that, the rest of that day, that was, you know, in the afternoon, the rest of that day, I was just, I was spent because I just couldn't believe that somebody would do something like that. Was the student that faked sick a part of that? Like, did Laura reach out yeah. to her and say, hey, you have to fake like you're no, sick? No, Laura didn't reach out to this. The, all the students reached out. This one woman, Judy Weatherby. Oh, she's a student. All these other students. Judy was a student of mine who put this whole fucking thing together. Oh. And all these other people, you know, all these other students of mine, and they reached out to other students of mine. They reached out to students of mine in Hawaii, in Oslo, and in Belfast, and in, oh, fuck, they, you know, people in, in Australia and New Zealand and all these things. And, and just keep, if you fucking keep doing what it is, and I know this is just all hack, but fucking follow your bliss. Follow your bliss. And I know that's such a hack phrase, but it's like, what, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? That's one. Two, what do you dread? What do you dread? What do you wake up every morning and go, ugh? And realize that the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. And, and here's the thing. You don't have to accept it now, but just know that you're going to have to accept it one way or another. And that's a really hard thing to do. You know, accept is a hard thing to do. Surrender is a hard thing to do. Forgive is a hard thing to do. But those are the three things that make you human. And those instances like, and again, that uh, the TED Talk that I have, where I shouted this thing out in front of all these people, I wouldn't trade that for the fucking world. The lesson that I got out of that was, was tremendous. And this was the lesson. Whatever emotion you've got going, sit in it. Fucking experience it and know that this too will pass. And you get to be in charge of how you're feeling unless it's cancer. And then cancer <laughs> gets to be in charge of how you're feeling. Right? So, uh, but ultimately, you know, and it's like, no, I don't have control. It's like, okay, then you don't, but you do. Hmm. Would you say that's the best lesson you've learned? It's a fucking great lesson. It's a great lesson. The lesson that that the only source of suffering is not acceptance. It's second to 
um, what other people think of you is none of your business. And you know, you're you're here you're here to enjoy yourself. But you're here also to to sit in all these experiences that you have. You know, part of the TED talk is me almost drowning in this cave stream in in New Zealand. I mean, I really thought I was going to die. And I was there thinking, I'm going to die. And the two people that I'm going to drown, I'm going to drown and I'm 15,000 miles away from home. And I'm in, I'm in a cave and it's dark. And, you know, eventually my body will be, end up at the other end. But what ended up happening was I didn't panic. And one of the lessons here is, it's another Rosowski thing, but you will know what you need to know when you need to know what you need to know. So sit in it and it will come because there's nothing that you can do outside of just being. And then when you're done, when you're at the other end of it, you go, I got a couple great stories here. I have a TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a TED talk. Dave is referencing an actual TED talk that he gave. He's not being hyperbolic or ironic or funny. He actually has a TED talk, which we will, if it's available online, we will link to it in the show notes and stuff because he's, he's not actually joking. Like people always say they have it and he actually has one, which right. is crazy. <laughs> that's like, that's like, yeah, thanks for my TED talk. And that's why eggs aren't good. <laughs> thanks for my TED. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah. It's such a comedic line. And it's like, you know, you actually can say yeah. that and mean it. Um, well, what is one piece of advice that you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers or students that interact with teachers, which is sort of the same thing, just horse of a different color. The person that you're dealing with is, is might, could be your best friend. And would you treat them that way? I love that. Well, is there anything else that you feel like, yeah, just from, um, a human beings interacting and trying to do better perspective that you can offer before we wrap up i just keep thinking about what your what your podcast is about and i just keep thinking about all the great experiences i've had in the shittiest of places and all the shitty times i've had in really great places if your life goes really really well no one wants to hear that story (laughs) that's so right that's so right (laughs) <laughs> shut up about that good stuff for fuck's sake well it, you know it's for me when i'm teaching when i'm when I'm teaching or directing or coaching you know nobody wants to see a scene where happy puppy loves kitty town <laughs> you know and so the advice that i give is don't solve the problem be the problem you want to see in others which is monotma gandhi it's not Mahatma Gandhi. I got it's it. It's Mahatma Gandhi. I see what you did there. Yeah, but I, I, I want to say it for other people. <laughs> We're not as clever or as smart as the host exactly. of this podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be clever. Um, but it's, that's it. That's it. Mm. That's it right there. Well, how can yeah. people get in touch with you, Dave? Are you, you're, you said you're Zoom coaching. And what is like post-pandemic kind of look like for you? I, I'll, I'm going to link to your website. And stuff. I'm really lucky in that I, if I wanted to work, I could work, you know, I could work literally eight hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm really, um, I'm, I do one-on-one coaching so that you can get all that information. If you go to my website and just send me, uh, go to contact, go to, my website is davidrozowski.com or davidrozowski.com and go to my website and just send me an email saying, I heard that you were doing this. I'm also on Instagram where I post mostly pictures of food, really good pictures of food. If you're going to post pictures of food, Kate, and it's not well lit, 
don't fucking post pictures of food. It's offensive. And uh, Twitter, I'm just a fucking nasty human being. On Twitter, I'm just a, an evil, evil, horrible person. On Facebook, I already have 5,000 friends, so I can't have any more, but I'm really nasty on that too. I'm very, very political. He's very I'm really honest. Political. You're honest. Yeah, and I, I, will not, I will not go down quietly. Good. You shouldn't. I just won't. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis to those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks for coming on, Dave. You are just, my gosh, the gems. I'm so grateful that you made time for this. And you are a busy This has just been a a really blast. Oh, no, yeah. I I talked while you're talking. No, please, please. (laughs) Are you kidding? You're like complimenting. (laughs) It's totally fine. I'll take it. It was really really fun. And I love talking to you. It's really a good... uh, I saw somebody comment about a a podcast that they did. It was like, most people say they, you know, most people give lip service to really had a good time as your guest. It was like, no, I really had a good time as your guest. Oh, I really did. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. really, really fun. And I also want to thank you for being so professional um, because I think that's just such an important thing. Uh, And that goes along the lines of, you know, to be just be be professional, you know, whether you're a server, whatever the fuck you're going to be, be professional. I've had so many students, you know, uh, this is what gets me. I've had so many students who like recently because, you know, it's just a fucked up time. And people say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't go to class. I forgot we had it. I'm like, really? And I want to say this. Do you know who I am? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you forgot me you know who i am but uh but you're you're it's it's professional i love that you had it all laid out i love you know you got back to me so quickly that's really vital thank you for listening good night Me so glad too. You did this. Yeah. And thank you for asking. Thank you for thank you for saying yes. I super appreciate it, and I will send you all of the things. Okay, great. Um, I love it. Yeah, and I uh, I hope to see. I hope to be back in LA at some point soon, and then I will. <laughs> I will probably. see I'm really you. happy that you're. I'm happy that you're going out. That's fucking great. Thanks. What city are you in? I'm in Cincinnati, and they have. You're in Cincinnati. Oh. Yeah. Good place. Yeah, and they good have, food. Oh yeah, that's true. And they have offices Fucking like great everywhere food. around here. And so it's like, you know, who's to say what it's going to look like post pandemic, but you know, it's mm-hmm. nice that creatively we can right. kind of be doing our thing elsewhere for the time being. And you're near Kentucky. Yeah. You're near Kentucky. Very close. Right. Mm-hmm.